Welcome to episode 285 of the Winning Six podcast. I'm your host, Adam McGee. Joining me as usual with my good friend, Jordan Tresky. Hello there, Jordan. Hello. <laughs> Jordan, we're here to talk about the draft, believe it or not. Player names, <laughs> probably mostly. That's our thing. Um... But specifically, we've already talked about guards and wings. We're moving towards the front court, and we're not quite at centers yet. We're not even kind of at forwards who are just, you know, again, in our own, well, I've created it. You've just had to, you know, go along with it. But in the categorizations that we created here, these are not quite big men. You know, these are not quite just automatically my favorites. And they are forwards. And... Dare I say, there are a lot of really interesting forwards who could be in the mix for the books this year. So we talked about five guards, five wings. We have seven forwards to talk about. So let's waste no time at all. Let's get straight into it. If you're listening, you probably get how this works by now. I assume you've listened to guards and wings. If you haven't, I mean, what are you doing? Go back and do that. Let's start off with Cameron Johnson. Uh... On the previous episode, when we were talking about Dylan Windler, I made note of Windler being, if not the best, the second best shooter in this year's draft class. And the reason I was kind of toying with that in my head was because Cameron Johnson was the other player in mind. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot to like here, and I think a lot, interestingly, that will mesh with what the books have been doing in the draft of late. Um, big program, kind of storied coach, skill set that they like, good size, all of all of the things that I think we've come to associate as being kind of booksy in terms of the draft, but even more increasingly that I'm seeing as things that John Horst might be um, ever so prone to leaning into certainly are apparent to Cameron Johnson. Um, already made reference to it, but shooting is... Uh, it's the headline element here, and he is a really, really exceptional shooter. Um, shot forty-five point seven percent from deep, just you know, just forty-five point seven percent. Really happy with three pointers. You hit him <laughs> during his thirty-six games at the Tar Heels. Um, that will certainly get plenty of attention. Um, He's also, though, he's a player who's got the kind of right mix of size you're looking for. For I guess he's a guy who could play some wing, but he's 
he's perfect for a stretch four. If you want a, a really kind of, what is your ideal stretch shooting four in the modern NBA? He hits a lot of those marks in terms of how he's built physically. Um, by all accounts, very much a high IQ player who's able, able to channel that intelligence into making smart plays, positive, positive plays on both ends of the floor. Um, probably allows him to paper over some cracks on the defensive end just by using that natural intelligence. Um, but kind of pretty important overall, I think, in rounding out the picture of him as a player. Could do with strengthening up. Um, not, not a standout athlete by any means. And certainly some questions over... Not questions, concerns over concerns. how his body would hold up in terms of injuries, maybe longer term in the NBA. And he has had some kind of mix of issues. Knee and hip, right? Comes to mind. Is there anything else? Not that we'd want to add to knee and hip, but he has had some troubles. I feel like there might be something I, I can't think of right now, though. Um, but an all round interesting prospect um and i shouldn't say interesting because that's that's began to uh, denote something completely different in recent episodes where we've had just these completely inscrutable prospects who are like oh yeah he's interesting um interesting how he's just like unlike any basketball player to ever have walked the face of the earth and not necessarily a good way that doesn't apply here cameron johnson is someone that you can kind of put a finger on this is what that guy is and uh, what he is is a player who, I mean, there's plenty of reason to believe, yeah, that's an NBA player. And for that reason, also plenty of reason to believe it could be tough for him to be on the board when it is the Bucks' turn to pick. I mean, he is in their range. We're talking about him for a reason. But personally, I think it's probably just too much of a stretch to see him get this far. Yeah, I, I fully expect that he will not be available <laughs> because he is that good of a shooter. I mean, the fact that you can shoot to the level that he can do and do it without needing the ball, uh, which, I mean, if you're thinking of <laughs> Bucks prospects, shooting without needing the ball that much is, uh, if not the top priority, probably second. <laughs> that's pretty much, that's pretty much, uh, yeah, that's, that's very good. Yeah, very good shooter. Durability concerns, but just great size. Uh, like you said before, I just, he is, I, there isn't much to really go deep into because he's, it's all very clear to see what he can do. Uh, one of the oldest prospects, it should be noted, I believe five year senior, originally played at Pittsburgh, transferred to North Carolina. Um, but yeah, very intelligent guy or by all accounts and probably won't be <laughs> probably won't be available when the bucks are on the clock but still someone worth mentioning if he does fall yeah i, I don't feel like i have a whole lot to add here either a part of that for me i think is because i don't think he's going to be there <laughs> that is it there is certainly there's a lot of good stuff on the surface and that speaks for itself but there is also that stuff is too valuable not to allow him fall all the way to 30. I'm kind of curious to see just where he will slot in and maybe just how far he does fall. He's, 
it seems like he's tailor made to either be if he doesn't if he's available when the Sixers are selected twenty fourth. I think he's pretty. That seems like a logical landing spot. I see a lot of Utah buzz too. I know. I think that's where Sam Bassini of the Athletic has him right now. Yeah, I mean, the thing with the Sixers is, I think anyone who's good, if they're on the board and the Sixers are there, the Sixers desperately need depth. So if you're like, oh, that guy's good, he's got an obvious translatable skill and might be able to use it right away, makes him a fit with the Sixers. When we talk about guards, Ty Jerome was another player who came up in that regard, and I could certainly see the Sixers being like, oh, yeah, a guy like this might help us not have to only play six-man rotations in the playoffs. Um, but yeah, I guess, I guess we'll see. Do you, do you put him as the best shooter in the class? Do you go ahead of Windler? (sighs) To me, they're different in how it is and how they shoot. Like, I think Windler, a lot of it was, came down to, he had a very high usage role. I mean, he was pretty much Belmont's team. Yeah, right. Here's up Belmont and yeah. Cameron Johnson's at UNC. I mean, that's probably a big part of the story there. Yeah. If I... Um, uh, I don't know. Sure. You don't have to put that much. Uh, you were starting to <laughs> really, you know, agonize Pain over me. it. I didn't want to do that to you. I was just that a simple question. Um, well, you know me. I can't answer it's, simple it's not questions. All that- it's not all that important. I mean, I think they're both really good shooters. Uh, there are some, some other elements of his game, I guess, that I'd... For example, like, again, mentioning Windler, and we talked about him in the last episode, where, you know, it seems to be flying under the radar for a lot of the stuff he can do. It would be nice if Cameron Johnson just had a little bit more of that athleticism, for example, or, you know, I guess being just a little bit bigger in other ways maybe hurts because his frame hasn't filled out. There's something that isn't just quite seamless yet. Uh, He either needs to get stronger or, I don't know, he's someone who is maybe at risk of becoming a very specialized role player. But if that role is shooting and he's as good a shooter as he's looked in college, he's not going to have a problem with that. Um, He'll be able to do that and make a lot of money out of that for a long time. There's kind of a player comp that I see something of here, which I'm sure mm. someone else, Arter, who talks with the draft, has brought this out before. I kind of feel there's some sort of Shane Battier here. Interesting. I didn't think about that. I think that's... Like, if you look at his frame and he could really... If he could improve his defensive awareness and learn how to use that, and even just kind of that size, that type of shooter... There's something, there's something there that I can see that's reminding me of Shane Badier. But I think all around, really, really good shooter, good player, unlikely to be available for the books. But if he was, um, would be getting major consideration, or certainly should. Yeah, profiles be. is profiles is a big bucks pick under the horse regime regime. <laughs> um. Let's move on to someone who, considering what horse has done so far, I think would be safe to say would not be a big horse pick. It would be something of out of the left field. And that is Darius Basley. Um, Darius Basley is particularly interesting in some ways to me because 
we are not well you you a little more so than me but i still feel a little bit safe talk for you we are not college basketball like fans in a following everything and oh, no. following recruitment process and knowing years in advance who's coming i feel like i had heard about basley before this year though as a top kind of prospect and he was a highly thought of recruit and then obviously american we heard plenty about him when he decides not to not only not to go to college but in the end not to play and there was the whole weird thing with oh he's going to go to the g league which seemed interesting and also seemed smart in a lot of ways and then instead just sat out for the year based on what his stock seems to be that really wasn't very smart <laughs> like i maybe playing in the g league would have been a good idea or you know do as so many have gone go to australia or go somewhere I don't know what exactly you get out of sitting out a year at this stage in your career, but more specifically at this stage in your development, I think is the interesting thing. I think that's when we get into what his game looks like. A big part of it is that he's still super raw in so many ways. And even with the things that are kind of interesting and intriguing, you look at a guy and you're like, you know what would have re- would really be good for him if he had had a whole year. <laughs> Where he was preparing for the draft, and he could have honed some skills. You know that would have been that would be really good. This guy could be a lottery pick with that. Um, so that in its own right is kind of weird. And I'll be honest, I don't know enough about it. Maybe you could shine a bit more light because you you wrote the profile and you probably did a bit more digging. Does this come down to a who's advising him sort of thing that the route ultimately played out the way it did, or is this? a decision that he kind of opted for. Obviously, advice came into this, but is this... Are we led to believe that this is kind of, you know... I don't know. Advisors in the background. Um, agent, I don't know at what point he signed an agent. Obviously, after deciding either, you might have a better sense on that too. But what way did this all come about that he took this particular route to the NBA? I think to back up your point, if we, if either you or I know, like, the process of what happened in college, it's probably not for good reason. <laughs> it's very true. It's, it's more, more headliney kind of like, Oh, that's interesting. By all accounts, Baisley made his Baisley. Is that how you say his name? I think it's Baisley. Where's the, where's the E? <laughs> Maybe it's Basley. I, it's I could gotta be, be Basley. I'm it's sorry. I'm sorry, if he's been going by Baisley, it's now time to change it. I'm going to call him Basley because, come on, there's no there's no A sound there. But go on, continue, Jordan. Um, Basley. You can call him Baisley if you wish. You're probably right, but I'm just not going to... I'm going to go Basley. There's certain names that I've made sure I have right for this. This is one that I was just like, what? there's no other way to say that. No. And then Tresky comes out with the curveball. <laughs> uh, Basley... Um, he made the G League proclamation. Let's just say that because he didn't end up going through with it before he signed with Rich Paul. Rich Paul of Clutch Sports fame. Yes, you're making a face. He is a client of Rich Paul. Um, and then that was around like spring. That was during like the box season in 2018. So I was like, oh, that's interesting. Then summer rolls around, backs out of it. Signs a signs makes a deal with New Balance as like a blend. It was like a mashup of like 
shoe endorsement, but also internship where he was like learning something like that. So it has like these tiers of like he can make way more money than he initially made, but he still got paid a million dollars as part of his internship, which is not really an internship. If I don't know, well, whatever. yeah, what is that? I have no idea. What um, sort of arrangement is that generally? It's this is what happens when you just sit out and build time between. I did not, or if I knew, and I probably did, I forgot about it. So I'm sorry, I was I was eating, so I'd muted my microphone when you said the words Rich Paul, but all of a sudden, it's just been crystallized. It all makes sense for me now, Jordan. Yep. He's not the only uh, Rich Paul client who, of course, decided, you know, or not even decided, who's the influence man. Oh, yeah, not playing as much basketball as I expected this year. Who is that? Who is uh, that? <laughs> some other guy who, maybe he's thinking he plays in Los Angeles now. Yeah, something like that. Anyway, so he signs with Rich Paul, gets an internship slash shoe endorsement deal with New Balance, gets paid a million dollars, and then potentially make much more as he's training. And it's kind of it's weird. Like you think that there's been like I know Mark Stein that was he kind of broke the news of his shoe deal, and I know Rich Paul has talked about it, but there is still kind of like this weird. You don't really know too much about. Basley himself, that makes sense. You just know about his, like, just the decisions that he made to get to the NBA, which, you know, he may have looked like a lottery pick at one point. He's still going to be selected, it seems like, and is kind of rising from what I've seen, at least from digging into the draft process a month ago to where we are now. Uh, this is a guy, though, who. Again, I, I'll put. A, I was aware of him before this year and before starting any of this process, and aware of him as a guy who, you know, potential star. You know, and that's in the vaguest possible way, where it's so early in a player's development, where anything can go right, anything can go wrong. Like being a five-star recruit and things like that is great, but can also amount to nothing. That kind of reputation heading into the recruiting process and you're looking at the next stage and it was Syracuse right that he was originally supposed to be or at least that was tentatively he even backed out before Syracuse he backed out of uh commitment to Ohio State apparently like he's a player who it seemed like from our largely admittedly unqualified vantage point on all this stuff that you know right development right work um the right kind of buzz building by people around him. Lottery player, possibly even more. Guy that people could be talking about as this guy has star potential. But if you don't play, that certainly doesn't help to show that if you don't necessarily hone your game all that much. Like you look at his size and you look at a lot of his physical tools and he even the way he kind of moves and carries himself, and you can't see someone here like, oh yeah, he should be really, really good. But then what is there there? Like, I'm... I don't know. I don't have a lot to say on him, but I would be intrigued if he was available. I'm not saying I would want to draft him, and particularly seeing as you just told me who his agent is, like, it's a conversation for another day that I may just be better off never having. But... This doesn't feel like a client that has been done uh, all that well by over the course of his journey to the NBA. Now, maybe all that can change when he gets there and he'll get there in a situation he wants and all of that stuff. 
But we're looking at a player who kind of naturally physically gifted and with a good kind of base that you probably could have rounded out and really done some good work at the college level, which even isn't ideal. You know, let's not pretend, oh, go to college, you get just any old program is going to help you improve year to year. But it's it's part of preparing you for the high-level competitive life of the NBA, for the kind of rigors of that, that kind of lifestyle. And if you're not going to play pro ball somewhere else, if you're not going to play in college, it's a big jump. And we know a little about some of the recent evidence and the players who have tried this approach in recent years. Turns out not easy to do. Um, and they weren't players who took a year out from playing altogether, which is like the headline thing of like, we're talking about the whole New Balance internship thing. And, you know, the whole arrangement is weird. The weirdest thing about it is that he's not in the gym, just working nonstop in his game. Like that, that is the weirdest thing about it. It's like, what you're doing in, what was he doing? Was he like, Making coffee, yeah. bringing people their building mail. shoes, building like, shoes, man. I he maybe just... maybe he thought of the board man, or no, that wasn't New Balance, but maybe he thought of Kawhi's. He couldn't even think of it. He was there, it was there <laughs> waiting for everyone, and he couldn't even find it. Um, I like that to me is kind of just confounding. You know, it's even when situations like this, whether it's suspensions, whether it's anything, when different reasons why a guy ends up not playing for a year. Um, say you'll have the rumblings about, you know, oh, trainers who've worked with Darius Basley say he has really done a nice job on developing his shot. He's improving this area of his game, whatever it might be. You know, that stuff we see every year on some player who, for whatever reason, the injury suspension, they just haven't had the regular kind of season that you would like coming into the draft process. And that just hasn't been the thing with him. And I don't know. I really, I like, I have, I have no idea what he could be. Is is interesting and is reason to be kind of intrigued, but just you know, bizarre decision making. Then, uh, from anything I read, was not very impressive at some of the events he did show up at. Um, one of the Nike event games, even at the combine, like it's not like people were being blown away at all um i don't i don't know i uh, maybe maybe you have a better sense of that but from what i remember he had a solid combine but it wasn't like combine finish and everyone was like whoa darius basley is the real deal like forget all of that going in the mid-20s stuff it's time to consider him a lottery talent again which is kind of what you not saying you would have expected, but certainly even from his perspective, you would have hoped is the plan that, okay, you're falling, you're only in this kind of range purely because people have almost forgot about you. And this is your chance to come and remind everyone what you can do, where you stand in this, what your potential is. And if it comes out of it and people are like, yeah, yeah, okay, he's, I guess, kind of in the first round, maybe a second rounder, that's not good considering the status you once, you once held and where your stock once was. There's just... There's a lot here that makes me uncomfortable um, about just how all of that has come to pass. And maybe that's not something to be put on him in any way, but 
I don't think it's served him well from a basketball perspective. So I don't think he's the player that he maybe could have been coming to this point either. And with that, I'm not all that. I'm not all that interested. You'd look twice because you're like, okay, what this guy could be, what this guy could have been, might be the better way of putting it. That's interesting, but I don't know. I think more importantly, this would not be typical of stuff that the books have done of late. Typical of stuff that John Horse has done. Yeah, I don't. I don't think we have to talk much more about him because I don't. No, I'm not planning on it. We're about to move right on, Jordan. Yeah, I don't Uh, think he's (laughs) being picked by the Bucks at all. Next up, the only overseas player we're going to talk about across all of these episodes. Am I right in saying that? Feels like it. Yeah. I mean, there are other players born outside of the U.S., but they've played college basketball in the States. Um, I've probably given away already, but if not, I'm talking about Luka Samanic. Um, Samanic is a Croatian forward who is just really skilled. <laughs> really skilled, has a really nice all-around game, a mixture of excellent feel, good athleticism, um, the ability to knock down shots, willingness to apply himself defensively and the physical tools to get plenty of positive results. There's always kind of international players around this point in the draft that you'd look at and you'd say, it feels like if that guy was in college in the US, he would be much higher on draft boards. And to me, this year, that's almost definitely Lucas Amage because you watch what he can do and you say, yeah, there's plenty of reason to be in on this guy and what he could be in the NBA. I love me some Luca. <laughs> yeah. I've all... I've Is this all... where we just talk about breakdancing now? Is this what's going to... Well, I mean, that's, that's where we start. Oh, my God. Yeah, come get you some Amage. Looks, um, I, 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 I don't know. Uh, I don't know where to start because I just think he's. First off, he's not just super skilled, but six eleven, moves really well, super athletic. Won a dunk contest. I'm already on board. Was a break dancer in another life. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, I just think he's. I I don't think it's I don't think it's like a theoretical discussion with him either because he's not sure. Maybe some of his skill ba- or skill set is on the raw side, and obviously there is a question of how much he can shoot it because it there it's not a proven element of his game. I think he can he can shoot it. It's just whether he's a shooter. You know, is the thing. Like you, you know, he can shoot it. He can make shots occasionally, but it's whether he is an actual knockdown shooter. That's, that, that's what you're going to identify him as. Is the question? Yeah, yeah, that's the big thing. But I mean, I think I wrote about it in the the draft profile I had on him a couple of weeks ago. You just don't find thing the things that he can do and shape is shaping up to do. You just don't find that at 
the position that he's in or being projected to be taken. A 30th, 30th overall pick uh, that can move as well as he is, has the, the size, that has the versatility, can maybe play center, which I think – I mean, playing center on this Bucks team is kind of a weird way of saying – or weird way to talk about it because Giannis can do so many things that centers can do and all this stuff. But, like, I, I'm just very intrigued, and it's not even – I'm not even probably doing justice on what the types of things that he could do because he's – just that kind of he's just a very enticing player i think the thing that strikes me when you watch anything of him is he's very fluid um and that's both on the perimeter inside it's just the way he moves um he can effortlessly glide by players he's got a nice kind of variety of ways that he can finish inside of spin moves of just mm-hmm. of just having a feel of when to go to which hand, and it seems like he has a little bit of both hands that he can play with inside. I mean, he's not strong enough to really to really do a whole lot of work, I think, at the moment in the NBA. But I think the skill is there that you could work on his strength, and he does have a frame that it feels like is kind of tailor-made to fill out a little bit, um, where you've got something in there, then... Again, he can make shots. It's not like he doesn't make shots at all, and you're talking about a non-shooter. And it's just about unlocking, ironing out anything that could make him a more consistent shooter, which if that became the case, like you're talking about an ultra, ultra skilled player. I I'm I agree, Jay. I think he is really, really fascinating and I'd be shocked if he's not right at the top of the, the book's draft board when they're planning out for the kind of players they think could be available. Now, he may not be available. Um, the Spurs picking right in front of the books on this front seems ominous for anyone who's like, he's the guy I want. Sorry, Jordan. That would probably include you. Um, <laughs> he is very Spursian by classic kind of what are the Spurs going to look for, but also just you know, a fundamentally sound, really intelligent player. And I think the books are also in that game of that being exactly what they would like to have and what they would like to add. Um, He does feel like someone to me that could have quite a bit of untapped potential, but could also help right away too, which in itself is appealing. Oh, sorry. That reminds me of a note. I know there was some kind of draft and stash kind of talk around him. I believe it was Jeremy Wu of Sports Illustrated said that he is looking to come over right away. So that is something to be uh, keep in mind. Honestly, I think that's better. Mm-hmm. I think it's better I for agree. him. I think draft sash guys can sometimes lose their way and then they just never end up coming over because you go, oh, he's not the player we thought we drafted. He's now whatever, 25 and playing at this level in Euro League, or, you know, th- those kind of situations come about and it doesn't it's work a, it's out. It's as much as a decision for traditional prospects that go through college and, you know, may make the jump one year, but feel like they can improve on their draft sure. stock and then it pummels or plummets or whatever. Yeah, you've got guys who benefit from going four years and land the NBA and are ready to go. And you've got guys who go four years, go undrafted and never get to look at the NBA because they didn't capitalize on whatever, a good tournament as a sophomore or something like that. Um, 
yeah, I mean, again, not a lot to say here. I'm kind of like Cameron Johnson because I just think he's looks really good. And as you pointed out rightly, I think it's just really good for that range. It's like, this is what you draw up if you're like, oh, wouldn't it be great if we could get a player like X at this kind of pick? <laughs> That's very much him. I just wonder what happens on draft night. I wonder, is there kind of a bit of a surprise? And it's like, oh, with the 18th overall pick, you know, something like that. And he goes much higher because there is good reason to believe a team may well look at him and say, yeah, we should take him higher because he's got the tools, he's got the skill to be in that kind of spot. Yeah, and he's, again, by all accounts, really was probably one of the biggest uh, people to show out well at the Combine. I, I know that was a big thing for him. Even shut it down after, I think, the first day of the Combine. So that just kind of speaks to, you know, how well he did. And as, you know, yeah, I, I don't think I if it would have surprised me if he's taken much earlier than what is kind of where he is out from uh, being projected of him right now. I just think he's that intriguing to not a team like the Bucks, but just teams in general. Yeah, agreed. Um, Grant Williams. I don't know where to go with this one. And, you know, maybe we'll get used to some more leading off of this. Grant Williams is the player that I think I'll best put this as all of the smart draft people I follow seem to really, really like. Yep. And they're, they're people who I normally find myself ag- agreeing with a lot of their opinions. I'd see them say something. I'd look at a player and I'd be like, okay, I get that. I do see what's going on there. I kind of get it. Kind of get it with Grant Williams, but not. Not entirely. I'm not won over. Um, I see someone who is physically ready for the NBA, who should be very versatile in terms of what he can do, particularly, I guess, on what he could become as a defender long-term. Someone who will make good decisions, kind of do a little bit of everything. Very smart. Now, maybe I'm saying that, and as I'm saying it, I'm thinking, well, listen to what you're saying, and you're overthinking it to say you don't see it. Um, I just feel like there's not one standout skill. And you know what? Maybe that's okay. Maybe if his standout attribute is he's one of the smartest players in this year's class, that's generally an indicator of a guy who will find a way to make it work in the NBA and that way maybe different from game to game and from season to season. And there's a lot to be said for players who just got good feel and make the right plays. But if I was to kind of put all the pieces together or look at them separately and say, what do I think makes this guy work as an NBA player? There's something that I'm not entirely sold on. I don't know if you can help me to to come to a clearer kind of conclusion on that. Like maybe maybe the overall the all-round package is good enough and you're like, Smart, steady guy, right attitude. It's all going to work out. He plays the game the right way. Those things are important. And particularly at this kind of pick, at the 30th pick, that's great. You're being greedy to look for more than that. Um, Just in terms of a tangible basketball skill, though, I'm not sure there's something where I'm like, I can latch on to him and say, that's the thing that he's going to do to a level where he's a definite NBA player and where he can try for years to come or 
even he can make an impact for a few short years and kind of even if he has to fight for it, guarantee that he's a long-term player in the league. No, I, I think your skepticism is justified, and that is kind of what we're seeing that is bearing out with his pre-trap process. I mean, he back-to-back SEC player of the year, obviously very accomplished player, did a lot of things for Tennessee this year, can really do so many things. But like you said, like the things that he was doing at Tennessee were aren't necessarily going to be what he's going to do in the NBA. And then the things that he didn't do all that well, like shooting and has some concerns over his size and all that stuff. That's going to be where his, you know, role is going to, that's where his role is centered around. So that is, it's obviously they're justified questions in terms of just like, how do you make, how do you kind of re jigger what you did in college compared to, or, and then take the next step in the NBA where you're going against uh, better athletes, better, more, even more intelligent players, all that stuff. It kind of, I guess reshape your skill set. That's that's the big question about Williams. But if you're betting on a guy that knows <laughs> it that has like, you know, intangibles, super strong, like it's insane how strong he is. Like he's looks like a wing, but plays like a center, honestly. And I know he's kind of getting the Draymond Green comparison, but that's just I don't know. I don't want to say it's hacky, but he doesn't he doesn't have the the physical profile that Draymond has had coming out of college either just because he's not as long as Draymond Green is and all this stuff. Um, But (sighs) there is kind of something intriguing about the, if he is available at 30, he kind of warps the way that you play in a very intriguing way i, I mean that that's the draymond thing i think I, i've even used it for players we've talked to across this class already we've we definitely used it in previous years it's like it's it is certainly lazy but draymond and the way he plays has become kind of just shorthand for kind of swiss army knife utility yeah. you know where yeah. guy can do a little bit of everything it's going to make you better as a result um, now, Draymond is obviously like the most extreme case of that because, as you said, he has incredible length. He is, if not the best defender in the NBA, he's consistently in the top three. You know, that's an extreme case of it. He's also a ridiculously gifted passer where it's easy to say, oh, yeah, this guy's got good playmaking for his size. That that doesn't do Draymond Green justice. Like, Draymond is one of the better passers in the NBA. Um, but I, I do find it interesting you say that because without expecting him to be Draymond Green, the way that I could possibly get round to okay, I get what he is, or I can kind of I can see the thinking here would be to think in Draymond esque terms, as in, um, there might be a lot of things that don't necessarily make sense or aren't enough on the surface, but put them together and the effect they have on your team, and that's what it comes out at. Now, maybe you can still kind of amount to that without being the player that Draymond is or without having the wingspan. I mean, I'm right in thinking his wingspan is actually pretty underwhelming, right? Yeah, it's like only 6'9", and he's 6'7". Which, not ideal when you're talking about a guy to be 
the kind of versatile defender that the best version of Williams you'd hope to be. Um, I don't know. Like, there's certainly plenty of good stuff there. And I think something that with every passing draft, I mean, you see you guys come in as rookies and the guys who can make an impact and then the guys who can stick. Uh, if you're a really smart player, that's... <laughs> that's half the hurdle because you're going to adjust to whatever your role is and you're going to buy in and you're going to learn things you don't already know. And with him being advertised as just one of, one of the best basketball minds in the class, like that's not to be overlooked. Could have gone to Yale or Harvard. That was, he had uh, offers for them. That, that is something. That's, that's something. more than a basketball mind then. Um, yeah. Like all of that stuff does matter. And certainly if the books picked them, I wouldn't be like, there's nothing here. I don't know what they're doing. Um, I, I do think it's also difficult, though, if you're expecting a guy to, I don't know, kind of lift all boats with the way that he just has this ideal complementary all-round skill set that will do enough little things that everything gets better, the team gets better. That's a lot to ask of someone, too, because you don't just have one thing you're going to hang your hat on. And particularly as a rookie and in early years in the NBA, doesn't necessarily make it all that easy to stick on the floor either. You know, you want to have something that you can rely on and say, this is what I do. This is what gets me minutes. I don't know. I I can both see why people like a lot about him, but there's other things where I'm like, I just like a little bit more of one thing. Again, it's probably boring for people who have listened to previous episodes at this time uh my insistence of you know just something that i can say that's what that guy can do it's undoubtedly oversimplifying this but i do think it is important for players coming in the nba that you can say not just great all-rounder which part of the thing with williams is he's not even necessarily a great all-rounder like no, I mean, he can't uh, shoot. You is a big question. And if yeah, you're, like that's we're that's looking the at thing. this through a Bucks frame. That's pretty important. <laughs> and like, what lineups even with the Bucks? Do you? I don't know, but it would be interesting. <laughs> you you had the thing. You didn't know about DJ Wilson and him together. I like that. <laughs> well, he is in a lot of ways. He is like what. DJ isn't? Am I right in saying? I don't know. I mean, granted, we still don't know that much about DJ either. DJ is not ultra strong, to put it kindly. And Grant Williams is ultra strong. And if we put them together, we get just two, you know, perfectly adequate young NBA bigs. Yeah. I mean, look, DJ is ridiculously intelligent on the defensive end of the floor. And put someone else like that. Sure, that's interesting. Um, I mean, I'd just if I was playing against them, I'd be like, uh, yeah, let's just let's just keep forcing mismatches, keep forcing switches, and let's get a let's get a quicker guy attacking Williams and a stronger guy attacking DJ. DJ. You know, I think that's kind of that's the struggle there. But hey, we'll see what happens with Grant Williams. Um, next up, former teammate of last year's Bucks first round pick, Dante DiVincenzo. 
Eric Pascal out of Villanova. Um, Pascal, of course, highly decorated from spending his college days with Villanova. Um, this is someone who I feel a lot more comfortable with in giving a kind of all-round description too, because I do feel like he he does just kind of have enough. He has a nice mix of things. His shooting certainly does raise questions still, although he can make them. And when they go in, they often look good. Um, but you've got someone, again, a lot of similarities in some ways. High IQ, high character, um, really smart defender, really, really good defender in Pascal's case. Um, Pascal's someone who Villanova over the years have kind of leaned into as, okay, it's late in game, who's guarding the opponent's best player? That's who they've turned to. Um, he's just a very well-rounded player to me. And I look at him like, and I go, that's an NBA player, and that's an NBA-ready player too, a guy who could soak up just a few minutes here or there and make a positive impact without, you know, taking the game somewhere. He's very much a role player, very much a complimentary player, but I think he's ready to help. Size is an issue here because he's only 6'7", and he's kind of got an old-school power forwards game. He's kind of got the game of someone that you'd love to put as a small ball center, but he's at least probably two inches too small even for that now. But seven foot wingspan and he's incredibly strong. He's 254 pounds. And if I remember correctly, his I probably should have this exact before even going on it, but I I believe his body fat percentage was kind of strikingly low at the combine. So this is not like, oh, he's 6'7", 254 pounds. He's really out of shape. No, this is a guy who is strong and muscular at this point and is just kind of built to fight with guys. I still think he probably ends up as a four and possibly quite an effective four in the NBA. Just what he could become depends on, you know, developing his shot. Now, he's an older prospect, so what's his upside? Uh, probably not all that much. I see a really solid player here, though. Um, I said this to you quite a while ago. He was, one, I think, the very first prospect that I took a closer look at this year. I don't think he'll ever reach the heights, but I get real Paul Millsap vibes off just the way he plays, just his feel for the game. And I think it's maybe even a more interesting comparison when you think back to what Millsap was coming into the NBA and Millsap kind of bizarrely now you look back and you're like that guy was obviously an nba player um he was two-time rebounding leader i think Millsap was and he ended up drafted late in the second round but just the all-around feel for the game the intelligence the ability to do a little bit of everything makes me think eric pascal is not just an nba player but he's someone who could probably stick and be a rotation player for quite some time I don't know. I don't know. Do you look for a little bit more at this pick? I don't know. Do you just say, I trust that guy is actually useful, and that's 
that's better than a bust, particularly if you're the books and you're not going to have a whole lot of draft picks in the years to come to actually kind of explore that with. I'm not entirely sure, but I do, I do like Pascal. I'm not sure he would be the pick. I will deliver a little spoiler here. Um, there's a fan site of mock draft that took place five weeks ago now. Um, there is a chance that you've already seen my selection of Eric Pascal at this point. It posted today. I at that time thought I'm probably gonna have changed my mind by the point it comes around, you know, when you've got the 30th overall pick and you're picking early and the books have literally just lost the conference finals. Not great. I have changed my mind. My pick wouldn't be Pascal, but I haven't changed my mind on him as a prospect and that I, I still really like him. And I still think there's something good and worthwhile there. And whether it's the books or someone else, I think probably worth a late first round pick. Mm-hmm. I would agree with that. By the way, to your body fat points, 6.3%. That's good for a guy who's 254 pounds. Yep. Um, <laughs> Before getting to the NBA and working with NBA strength and conditioning stuff, you know, it's pretty impressive. And you look at him and you're not like, oh, that's a guy again who's out of shape. You go, wow, that guy's frame couldn't be any more. You look at him, you go, that's what an NBA player looks like. Yeah. You know, um, if he was a couple of inches taller, the whole discussion around him is probably entirely different than what he can be. He's a true tweener, though, in the way that they're not really tweeners anymore like that you know it's kind of a throwback to see someone in that way where you're like yeah i'm just not quite sure i mean he's not taylor horton tucker where you're like i just don't know what this guy is i think his strength and his frame will allow him to be an undersized power forward again kind of like paul Millsap as much to be Millsap's only like six seven six eight himself and has carved out a really meaningful career as one of the better power forwards in the NBA and a power forward who is physically up to the challenge inside and defensively one of the best forwards in the NBA. That's obviously the real top end of the scale. I'm not expecting that or anticipating that for Pascal, but I think on a more kind of modest and moderate level, he could replicate something to that effect as an NBA role player. Agreed. Okay, next up. I might be clearing the floor here for you because this is one I'm really not sure I get. Isaiah Roby. Um, We should probably start with an observation you made to me privately around the time you were writing about him. I think you might have tweeted this out as well, but that you had found this year's TJ Wilson. And his name is Isaiah Roby. Mm-hmm. Expand upon that. What are you seeing here? Just the kind of size, length, of course. Um, athleticism, very good athlete. Uh, more of a defense. If you're looking at like ready-made qualities, def- defensively, he's really good already. Um can cover a lot of ground, can protect. He's kind of a – I think we're kind of getting to this point of, like you said with forwards, and same with like Pascal and same with uh, 
one I'm forgetting who we did before, Grant Williams. <laughs> um, he can kind of he he would see I I don't know I see him more as like kind of like a uh, small ball center in that he's just he just looks bigger than what it kind of or he plays bigger than what he kind of looks like already just because he is well equipped to play uh, minutes at this at at the five with just how he's built. But um, anyway, back to what he does. Uh, offensively, it's kind of inconsistent. Uh, Three-point shooting for sure. Not even a lot, not on a lot of attempts either. So you're just kind of wondering, is it is the shot real, what he can do? He is pretty skilled with the ball, though. Like, he can – surprising, like, how mobile he is with the ball in his hands and can really, like, just, like, leap up and explode to the rim. I don't know, just he has like this intriguing mix of skills and gifts and all that stuff, and you're just kind of like, what does this player look like? And obviously from a previous time, it should be noted, that he just kind of looked like a Bucks pick in my eyes. And just like, oh, yeah, that's the type of player, the type of player and profile that the Bucks would traditionally look at. I just don't know if that's the case, but I don't know. Yeah, I kind of I see a lot of the physical appeal. I'm just not quite sure the rest of his game is where it needs to be right now. Um, like, in a lot of ways, he could be a small forward, which this is, a I guess, goes back to some DJ Wilson conversations. We had this conversation when DJ was drafted, where DJ is almost definitely a four now, and you think small ball five, but... It's still easy to spot the roots of that conversation when, for example, we have, oh, DJ just got like bowled through by someone on the right to his rim because he's not quite strong enough. It's kind of like his skill set and his size don't necessarily match up exactly as to make the most out of what he is. So Robbie could be a tree, except in his case, he's just not a shooter, really. Mm-hmm. Like... He'd, ha- he'd have to make major improvements for you to buy into him being able to play there. Um, this is a real project pick. More so than a lot of the others. I'm personally not feeling... I'm not feeling, say, what I'm getting out of, say, Casey Okpala, where I'm like, okay, yeah. that's, that's a project but I see why you take it on and what best case scenario comes out the other side of it. I think that's kind of my difficulty here. Now, generally where the books are at, I'm opposed to projects right now. I think they could probably do it. when they use their pick, use on someone who can help this year, the next year, whatever. You're going to be under a pretty significant salary crunch where any cheap contributors you can get who can play will be really useful. Um, there, there could be another year and where the books are in a different situation where I'd I'd like Roby a whole lot more. Uh, I just feel like it's a, it's a swing that's more worth taking for a team that has less going on, if that makes sense. I would agree with that. Okay. Well, lastly of the forwards, um, kind of a pretty complicated case for unfortunate reasons. Um, that being injury, we've got Chuma Okiki, um, a pivotal cog in Auburn's impressive run to the Final Four this year. 
um, only to tear his ACL at that point. And I don't know. What what do you think is where do you think he would have been looking at being drafted before that? Like what did that do to his stock? I th- would have said first rounder. Probably like in that kind of maybe low twenties? Yeah, kind of like Cam Johnson tier of like, you know, he's gonna fall to a contender and certainly could. I mean, that's not out of the question. But I think he surely probably twenties for sure. High twenties maybe or low twenties? That makes sense? Low low twenties. I yeah, think. I don't know which one you mean. I think low. 20. I know that's like twenty, like twenty to twenty-three, or I don't know what. Do I teach you how numbers work? <laughs> well, if you say high, that's twenty-nine is a high, the yeah. higher than twenty-one. Right. So low <laughs> was what I was going with. Yeah, that's um, what I wanted to. <laughs> okay, we got there in the end. <laughs> yeah. Look, Brat. I mean, really like NBA-ready frame. 6'8", 230 pounds, 7 foot wingspan. Like, no real questions there. Possibly someone you would like to play at the tree sometimes. I don't know, but Kabai tree or four, NBA ready, is going to be able to compete with the guys he goes up against. That's all there. That's all fine. Um, Good shooter. 39% over two years from deep. Like the injury here is just kind of a big deal, and he wasn't already he wasn't athletic to begin with, or not ath- athletic as he wasn't a overwhelming athlete. He certainly fluid, obviously, but just there was it wasn't a strong suit. Let's just say. I think that's part of it, but there's also just with an ACL in particular, there's always the risk of recurrence, like. We could say because he wasn't, his game wasn't necessarily predicated on athleticism that, you know, it's not as damaging to him as it could be to other players. But the fact remains that even if you're looking at this guy and saying, okay, he's a great spot up shooter and that might make a massive part of what he is in the NBA, uh, there's still a chance he's going to twist or fall awkwardly on at some point and it could happen again because it's kind of the nature of ACLs. Um, It's concerning. Like, there's no way you can draft a player who is currently recovering from that and not feel like it's a concern. If it was a player who had even, you know, experienced that in high school, it would represent a major red flag. So coming at this point is significant. I don't know. Maybe, maybe there's value to be had on that. Maybe you think you take on the risk and you say, you know what, this could be something of a steal because of that. Um, Certainly possible. But it is a gamble. It's kind of a meaningful gamble. Um, not entirely sure it's one the books need or should look to take. Not specifically about him. I just think about just in general using a pick on a player with significant injury history right now. I think these these picks, these picks, this pick. There aren't many of them coming in the future. Um, <sighs> this pick matters to the books. Like. You're going to use this pick, but don't waste it. Whatever you're going to do, make sure it's something that's going to really be positive for you. Um, and look, draft picks can turn into busts. They may not work out. That's all fine, and there's an increased chance of that at 30. But at least I think 
approach it from a perspective where you could look back on it and feel okay our process was really sound there and we did the right thing to try and get a player who'd be really useful at this spot like i feel with someone like okiki or someone who we'll talk about when we move on to centers and the in the final episode i think if you were to draft him and he was to re-injure his knee you couldn't be like, oh, well, look, our process was sound. You're like, well, <laughs> it might be unlucky, but you did draft a guy who'd torn his ACL and now he's injured his knee again. There was always a chance that this was part of the risk that you were weighing up on that. So it would it would put me off right now. I think a good player, and if that wasn't the case, maybe we'd be looking at him in a very different way. Oh, yeah. Um, but it is the case, and it would probably just be enough to put me off an otherwise good player right now. Yeah. Draft picks are scarce to the Bucks at this point. And Okiki has pretty much everything you want in terms of like complimentary role player, can shoot it, can play D, has some ball skills, you know, not overwhelmingly, but still type of player that the Bucks would traditionally or not traditionally but just like target to fill out their supporting cast but that injury is pretty pretty big one and it and you have to remember too Kirk late so you're basically saying rookie season is going to be pretty much a red shirt and you're trying you're you're coming midway through his re- rehab too so you're kind of it's like a weird way of like his third year option is going to be up before you've even really seen him. Is you know you'll yep. have one season that if it's not like overwhelmingly positive, you're going to be like particularly where the books will be at by then, and the potential that Giannis could be on a supermax. So, you know, you'd be like, okay, do we want to do this? That's just not great. It's not again the position you want to find yourself in if you're the books. You you want to be able to evaluate the player playing basketball, whether it's in the G league and practice in the NBA right from the off. So that, you know, if you've got something and you can utilize it at good value for the years, you're going to have them, if not longer term. All right. That's forwards done. It's a wrap. We have one grouping of players left. My favorites, the big men, and we will be doing them on early on Thursday. Um, pre-draft, you're going to all have to make sure you catch up. And they are, it's, it will be an episode worth listening to because they are an intriguing mix of players. I think some some players were real consideration for the books in that group. Um, until then, make sure you continue reading all of our draft coverage behind the bookpass.com. All sorts of stuff for you to check out there. Also, Subscribe to Snapple Podcast, follow us on SoundCloud, add us to Stitcher Favorites and tune in radio. That way you won't miss a single episode of Win in Six. That includes the Big Man episode, but also emergency post-draft breakdown. Until the next time, thanks as always for listening. Thank you, Jordan. Thank you.